0: get it done you can get it done what's more you gotta get it done there's
1: a gleam man. there's a gleam let's get the gleam all right let's go go. go. what a piece of that championship put it in here hey guys where else would you rather be
0: welcome into hour two of big dog sports talk with rick watson Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900,
1: or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your
0: host, the big dog, Rick Watson. 639-4900. 639-4900. Text line 744-2990. Andy Bitter coming up at the bottom of the hour. And uh, White Vick at the bottom of hour three. Watching the heart and soul video from you, Lewis, as this plays. And the,
1: uh,
0: the female subject of this video, I mean... Telling you. Nothing wrong with that, huh? Yeah. Uh, I will say the one thing that came out of the just god awful uh, documentary about uh, We Are the World (laughs) was. (laughs) And I don't know how to say that any other way, but yeah. Uh, Because it was really bad. But. Was the fact that Huey Lewis seems like the dude we always hoped he thought he was? He's just this nice, very grateful that he had a career, dude, as he's gotten older, right? And to be honest, you don't mind many of his songs, right? You may not go, "Yeah, Huey Lewis rock," but you won't ever go, "Yeah, I really hate that Huey Lewis song." You just kind of listen, right? He's just got that. He's just got that vibe about it. Text message here. Uh, maybe I'm selfish, but if I'm paying a player 100 I don't want to pay the extra money above that so they get the full amount. In other words, I had a question from the same texture about, is the NIL money tax? I would assume it is, but we don't know how much of it is actually correctly reported, right? I don't know. These are answers to the questions that I don't know. That's why we're talking about it. I, when I know things, I try to talk about it. I'm telling you right now, I don't know how it works. Does anybody know how it works? I guess the people in charge of them know how it works, so they know that they don't have any official rules to deal with. Right? So I don't know the answers to that question. My, my sense would tell me, yes, it has to be um, taxed. All right? It has to be. All right. So I had a uh, a Cowboys fan push back on me here. Jamie said, did you just say Jimmy Johnson shouldn't be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? <laughs> yes. Yes, Jamie, I did. Did you look at the numbers, Jamie? Yeah, he won a couple Super Bowls and constructed the Cowboys. Okay. You know that he's only 16 games over 500 as an NFL coach, Jamie? He's 80 and he he won 80 80 regular season games. Didn't even win 100 games. He went 9-4 and four in the playoffs. He's in the Hall of Fame. Mike Shanahan, who has twice the wins, has two Super Bowls, and was part of other Super Bowls as a coordinator, is not. Marty Schottenheimer has over 200 wins, and all we hear about is, oh, he didn't win the Super Bowl, so he's not in. Jimmy Johnson got into the freaking Hall of Fame because they had a whole thing planned with he and Bill Cowher to go out on each of the studio sets while the cameras were rolling and have all this phony emotion like they didn't know about it, and they each got offered a spot in the Hall of Fame. Facts. He was thirty-six and twenty-eight. In four years with the Dolphins. By the way, he was only eight games over five hundred with the Cowboys. Yeah, he won the two Super Bowls, and they were a little mini dynasty. They were. He had four double digit seasons in his nine years. He should not be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, especially ahead of Mike Shanahan, Dan Reeves, Marty Schottenheimer. So the folks who voted that in have no idea about what it takes to be a Hall of Famer. They were just trying to capitalize on someone's fame, two guys who were on TV. I don't think Bill Cowher should be in ahead of those guys, but he has a better record than Jimmy Johnson. I mean, if that's – if he's in the Hall of Fame as a head coach, then that's the Hall of Fame of very good. That's the Hall of very good. That's the Hall of good. (laughs) It's not even the Hall of very good. 16 over 500, that's good. What about those numbers other than the Super Bowl, the two Super Bowls? what, what, What about that says, yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer, first ballot even? No, no, he's not. Convince me otherwise. But he's in at 80 and 64, right? And I'm going to come right out and tell you that I have a Mike Shanahan bias because he was the head coach of my beloved Broncos. I'm not going to sit here and try to con the smartest listening audience in radio. Mike Shanahan won 170. 170 NFL games he won 14 playoff games two Super Bowls he's not in the Hall of Fame and he coached as a head coach 20 years Jimmy Johnson did it for nine years Won Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator. His influence, his coaching tree is dominating the NFL now. His son, albeit a horrible postseason coach, is considered one of the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. He's not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he won 63% of his games with the Broncos. He's not in the Hall of Fame. But Jimmy Johnson, because he's on a TV set on Sunday... Is in. Don't don't get me started. Ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. Marty Schottenheimer. You hear him a lot every day on this show. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's go get the gleam, all right. Well, he never got the ultimate gleam, but he coached 21 years in the league as a head coach, won 200 games. Problem was, everybody knocks him for his postseason record. He was 5-13. and 13. He couldn't get past Elway all those years. But everywhere he went, he rebuilt the organization. Whether it was Cleveland, Kansas City, Washington, he was only there one year. He only got one year in Washington. San Diego, he won 14 games his final year, and they fired him. <laughs> Just because he lost the playoff game. Mm. Nope. He won 62% of his games, he won 200 games, but can't put Marty Schottenheimer in. No, no. No, don't want to do that. Dan Reeves was a great football player. Right? He's not a Hall of Fame football player, but he played in the Ice Bowl. Played for the Cowboys. He was a coach on the field. He won 190 games as a head coach. He won four conference championships. He won 11 playoff games. Dan Reeves isn't in the Hall of Fame. Nope. He's passed away, too. But freaking Jimmy Johnson is in the Hall of Fame? Really? Now I'm just getting angry. I don't think Bill Cowher should be in before those guys, but at least he does have 149 wins, all with the Steelers. He won 12 playoff games. He lost nine. Won the 2005 Super Bowl in a game that I still believe was probably rigged, Super Bowl 40. The way, if you go back and look at some of the calls that were made in that game, he coached 15 years. But he also gets the nod because he was on a television set the same day Jimmy Johnson. And they're like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, oh, who knew? Who knew? Oh, my God. I mean, he looked like Nikki Haley the other day at her press conference. Oh, I just can't believe that the people in my own state hate me too. (laughs) Oh, I'm in the Hall of Fame. Didn't you just do this to the studio next door? God in heaven. (sighs) So no, Jimmy Johnson not only should not be in before those other three individuals I mentioned, he shouldn't be in at all. I mean, he just shouldn't. The numbers don't support it in any way, shape, or form. Other than the two Super Bowls that he got. All right? And I've got like six people agreeing with me. They didn't know about Marty Schottenheimer's numbers or Dan Reeves. I actually, had a couple people say they thought Dan Reeves was in the Hall of Fame. Nope, he's sure not. Randy Gratishar just got in the Hall of Fame 30 years, 35 years after he was eligible, his last chance. And when he was playing, leading the Orange Crush, he was a better linebacker than Jack Lambert, who got in first ballot because of the Super Bowl titles. Still Kurt. There are far too many Steelers in the Hall of Fame. Far too many. But in any event, it's just, it's politics, man. It goes back to the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you not have sticks in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, how do you not have foreigner? But yet, Dave Matthews is a finalist. Whew. Everybody's happy. No, all my Actual footage from any Dave Matthews song. <laughs> Oh, I got sidetracked there from our NIL conversation. Sorry, sorry. Hey, look, Jamie's fault. He challenged me on the uh, Jimmy Johnson thing. I had to. I had to give my proof. I had to back it up. There you go. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. Hands go marching. All right. Well, <laughs> take a break. Come back. Roll along here on a Thursday. <laughs> Stay with us. Don't go away.
1: Wa babaloo, my blood bump bump to the boot. Oh, rude. To the boot. Oh, rude. To
0: the boot. Oh,
1: rude. To the boot. Oh, rude.
0: To the boot. Oh, wap babaloo, my blood
1: bump bump. That's what to do. I got a girl named Sue.
0: To know that's what to do. To rock to the east, to rock to the you west. You mean a girl named Sue, girl like Susanna Hoff? She's of course a one a one A here on the show. Miss Miss Hoffs. <laughs> Welcome back. Jamie, Jamie follows up. Well, you give a compelling argument for the guys who aren't in. Thanks, Jamie. I appreciate that. Although he he did he did fall a step shy of admitting he was wrong about Jimmy Johnson, but <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> see how we can disagree and not be mad at each other. See, see, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Everybody can have their own opinion. That's what we promote uh, here on the program, All right? Um, Andy Bitter coming up. We'll uh, get his take. And he's been covering a lot of basketball lately. He was at the uh, Tech-Virginia game. And I want to get his thoughts, just the overview of all of this. Andy's got a pretty good vibe for the bigger picture of college football. We'll get his take on all this. Get his opinion. See if he's also become as jaded as I have about this whole thing. All right, we mentioned we're going to have some uh, – I wish I had that guy's voice, man. A kill to have the dude's voice you hear on the uh, Monster Truck Nitro Tour spot here on the show. The Monster Truck Nitro Tour invades the Salem Civic Center on March the 2nd for two, count them, two monster shows. I just don't have what that dude has, man. These are 10,000-pound um, car-crushing giants, which is really cool. They're going to compete in racing, wheelie contests, and then they're going to rock the joint with freestyle action during the monster. Man, I want to go to this. I mean, I'm not going to. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm just telling you. You can also meet the drivers and see the trucks. It would be cool to be able to be in the truck, wouldn't it? <laughs> There's a pre event autograph pit party. That's cool. Now, we're going to give away tickets here on the show, but you can also go to wredradio.com for ticketslash show info and a bonus chance to win something cool. I would love that. Who should get in first? Dan Reeves, Marty Schottenheimer, or Mike Shanahan? Mike Shanahan, easy. Easy peasy. Shanahan, Reeves, and then Schottenheimer. But they all three should have been in before those other two bozos. Dick Vermeil should not be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Especially ahead of any of those three. That was a similar induction, much like Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower. By the way. Anyway. WRDradio.com for tickets, show info, and a bonus chance to win. Now, this doesn't mean this is the only way you can win tickets. We're going to give those away here, heading into the bottom of the hour. But you can win extra stuff if you go to WREDradio.com and fill that out real quick. It takes you like two minutes. And I don't know what the bonus chance is going to be, but it sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. There are three extra winners. The three There's going to be three people who win all the extra stuff drawn from the website. So it's not just one and out. You get the chance for uh, three winners. And you come by the station here to pick up between um, 9 and 5 p.m. That's how you pick up the tickets. So we have... Let me see what we have here. I've got a little handful here. This is pretty cool. This show takes place, by the way... Saturday, March 2nd, at 7.30. Absolutely, Gravedigger's Hall of Fame. Absolutely, Wayne. (laughs) Isn't there one? All right, now, I don't know for sure. Isn't there one called Bigfoot? Wayne? Oh, Wayne! Isn't there a Bigfoot? I know Gravedigger, but isn't there a Bigfoot monster truck? Or am I just making that up because I want there to be? With, like, a painting... Of uh, Bigfoot on the side. Andy Bitter joins us next. First two people to call me at 639 4900. You get tickets for this monster truck event at the Salem Civic Center on March 2nd. This is cool. I want to go. 639 4900. Call me up right now. We'll get your info. Andy Bitter on the other side of the break. We'll be back. Hi, this is Matt Blair, former All Pro for the Minnesota Vikings. You're listening to the Big Dog Sports Talk Show with Rick Watson. Rest in peace, Matt Blair. A chance to meet Matt Blair when I was there in 2004. First run of the show, watched into John Elway, the Barry Sanders and Carl Eller induction ceremony, amongst others. Bob Brown was there. Going back this year to see my all time favorite player, Randy Gratishar, finally taking his place where he has belonged for years. Dwight Vick comes up in about an hour, joining us now on the program. Well, he's one of our favorite conversations as. Andy Bitter joins us from Tech Sideline. A.B., how are you? Good morning. Uh, good morning. How are you doing? Doing okay, man. Doing okay. And uh, my goodness, you, you've you kind of turned into a basketball guy recently, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been a throwback. Had to knock some rust up the old basketball fingers here for <laughs> typing. But, uh yeah, had a couple games last week. I'm going to Pitt this weekend, so yeah, it'll be fun.
0: Nice, nice. What was your take on the beatdown beat on Monday night? My goodness gracious. I mean, what a what a night for uh, Mike Young's program against the Cavs.
1: Yeah, that was a butt-kicking. It felt like uh, maybe a lot of the season's frustration came out that one game. <laughs> uh, you know, they had lost a lot of games, where they were in it down the stretch, and finally they just had one. But they just completely obliterated the opponent, and it just so happened to be their main rival in the state, which had to be extra satisfying. And You know, you look at it, they give up 41 points. No, I know it's Virginia, but still, giving up 41 points in the basketball game. Sure. Uh, two days after giving up 96 at UNC. And I know these are drastically different styles <laughs> and capabilities of offenses that you're going up against, but you go know, from the most points you've given up all season to the least is a pretty you know drastic turnaround in a 48-hour period like that. So, yeah, you know, I thought the way they rebounded from that USD loss and the way they played defense uh, and, and, honestly, offense. You know, scoring 75 against UVA is no joke. So, uh, just, I mean, everything was coming up ages in that game.
0: Well, that's cool, man. That's cool you get to travel to Pitt. I always like that town. Pittsburgh's a good town, too. That'll be fun for you, man, to go up there and take in that game. They've been hot, but they got beat the other night, too, so who knows what might happen.
1: Yeah, it's the ACC. I mean, that uh, you know, teams, you know, about five to ten there, they're all about the same. And even when you get to eleven, that's Miami, and Miami's beaten Virginia Tech twice. So, uh, you know, it's not this really top-heavy league in the ACC this year. There's right. that really a you know, large middle class that I think everybody's sort of vying for maybe one or two spots in the tournament out of that.
0: Well, um, Coach uh, Pry, you had a chance to talk to him here. I mean, things are kind of in that just, you know, going through the Hunger Games and the workouts. What were some of the things that developed out of your conversation with the Tech head man?
1: Yeah, I I think the big thing is that there's not anything glaring to talk about with this team. You know, last year we are talking about who's going to be the quarterback. You got this quarterback battle between Wells and, and Kyron Jones, who just came in. How are these receivers going to fit in the room? Uh, you know, the receiver group was so bad his first year here, just not productive uh, out there. Uh, how are you going to rush the passer? They didn't have APR at that point. You know, uh, you know who's going to come in and, and get after the quarterback? They had all these glaring spots on the roster that you go, how are you going to fill these and this year? Not really there. There's not really too many question marks. Like maybe who's the other safety spot? He's, he's pretty complimentary at Jalen Jones. Yeah, they've got transfers who came in this year, but it feels like there's less of a question mark with them the way they uh, you know, brought those guys in last year and, and uh, put them into the program. So, uh, you know, it, it, when you're 3-8 and eight after the first season, there's tons of questions about, oh, is this going to work? Or are you doing <laughs> right. the right thing? And the yeah. question is a little bit more of that, nitpicking about it when you you go five and three in the ACC and you you have the season that they had down the stretch uh getting to a bowl and winning a bowl game again yes that's not where they want to be they want to be higher in the standings they want to be competitive in the ACC but just the the general questions about whether or not they can actually do it here I think those have been answered a little bit
0: Andy Bitter joining us on the program he's a senior staff writer the lead football beat writer for Tech sideline, I'm covering hoops right now though, and uh, when's the last time for you personally you've walked in to talk to a Virginia Tech head football coach and felt this kind of confidence? Right, things surrounding the program been a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's probably going back to Fuente's first or second season, which you know should tell you all you need to know about how you know lasting this whole thing could be. Um. Yeah, you, know, you win ten games, you go to the ACC championship game in twenty sixteen. The the future was right ahead of you <laughs> as a Hokies fan. You know, you think, oh, what, they're back at this point. They got a new coach, just had to refresh the Beamer thing real quick. Mm-hmm. Bud Foster's still here. I mean, the the sky was the limit for this program of the future. And then the next year, they were still pretty good. And you look at that, and you go, well, they lost Gerard Evans and all those you know, star offensive players, Isaiah Ford, Bucky Hodges, and they still won nine games. Like, oh, this guy can, just, you know, put it together, put together an offense with anybody that's out there. But the wheels fell off in 2018, and it was never the same after that. So I caution about getting too optimistic. I think it's the this feeling with tech fans over the last decade where the other shoe is about to drop all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm about to – to plow through the responses on our fan survey that we put out last week, and we go through that today. Uh, and I think Hokies fans are pretty optimistic right now. So, uh, yeah, they haven't felt this way in a while, and I think they're enjoying the moment because, yeah, they're talking about 10 wins and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, pump the brakes a little bit, maybe on the 10-win talk here. But uh, you can't help uh, – you, you know, you can't really – Uh, fault fans for getting excited about the offseason for the first time in a while.
0: No, certainly not. But, yeah, I was going to ask you now, though, playing devil's advocate with all the positivity, is there something that you look at that kind of gives you reason to pause a little bit? Like you're saying, you want people to be excited, but let's just kind of, hey, like you said, pump the brakes a little bit because these issues are still kind of there.
1: Yeah, it's not so much personnel up and down the roster, I think they've shored up a lot of that stuff. It's we haven't seen this team go out and beat a, a really good team yet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they they did really well down the stretch, but look at who they're beating—you know, Syracuse, Boston College, UVA. Uh, you know, Tulane was ranked, but come on, no, that wasn't That's Tulane. Right. That's right. They, they were a completely depleted team. They didn't even have their coach, their star quarterback. Uh, and that's not to diminish those teams. Some of those teams got the bowl games. Syracuse, BC got the bowl games. Uh, Syracuse somehow, and then did not show up in the bowl game at all. <laughs> completely crushed in that game. Um, but anytime they went up against uh, you know, Louisville, Florida State, NC State, the result was not great. And those were the top three teams in the ACC. And somehow they missed all of them next year. On the schedule with the schedule roulette that they have in the ACC now, uh, so you know they get Miami, they get Clemson. Those are sort of the the banner games next year, and they will—I would imagine—not be favorites in either of those games. It'll be interesting to see how they do in those. But you have to win those kind of games to get back to the level that Virginia Tech wants to. You know, six and six, seven and six. Like it was a step forward this year, but it's still six and six. You know, they did that for a while under Beamer and it wasn't good enough at the end of his run there. They want to get back to winning ACC championships. And to do that, you have to beat some good teams. So we haven't seen them do that yet. I'm not saying they can't do that, but you know it has to be demonstrated before you really put a lot of faith in it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a terrific point and a good reminder for people. And in the non-conference next year, you're not going to face a lot of formidable foes, but you're right. It's good they avoid those teams, but the ones that they do take on, they've got to show they can stand toe-to-toe and I think people kind of forget about how depleted Tulane really was and now we're seeing you know Michael Pratt's one of the risers out there right in the in the uh the pre-draft bowl game out there the shrine ball and everybody's saying he may have played himself into the first rounds so it shows you what they didn't have but yeah and I think that's probably a challenge right that coach uh, coach Pry is gonna hit his team with at some point now they're saying you can't beat good teams you know he might he always uses the noise as a good positive vibe for his squad for motivation
1: yeah, I mean, the, the nobody believes in us card. I mean, that's the, the best card to ever play yeah. in, in college sports, right? Uh, yeah, Damos Finney has won two national championships. It's still like, oh, little old pumps. Nobody <laughs> believes in us. It. It's like, okay, easy now. Everybody believes in it. I think the Chiefs team this year. <laughs> right. Oh, nobody believes in us. It's like, everybody believes in you, Patrick Mahomes. Don't act like that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> so that's a very effective card to play. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, from the podcast that he did with us, you know, you talk to him at the end. And he's like, well, I told them to block out the noise when, you know, we were one in three and everyone was saying you were terrible and, oh, this isn't going to work and stuff. And he said, you had to block out the, the noise at that point. And they did, they listened to me and it worked and they turned it around. So now when everybody's saying, oh, you're going to win 10 games, oh, top 25, all this stuff, that's noise too. It blocked that out. And if you believed me before when you said block up a noise, believe me now that that's something you have to do. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's trying to head off this whole thing, you know, expectations, good or bad, uh, you know, just don't listen to it. Just go to work and, and get better. Uh, you know, that's sort of the message he's trying to get across to the team. We'll see how effective it is.
0: We're joined by Andy Bitter, he's the lead football beat writer for Tech Sideline. Are you paying a lot of close attention to what's going on with the uh, college football playoff committee meetings? I mean, you know, oh, they finally approved the five-seven deal, which we knew they would. Now they're talking about expanding the playoff before it even starts with the 12-teamer. I mean, how jaded are you toward all these conversations and reports right now? Because I know, I, I know, I am. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm not paying attention to it. I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. Can, can we play one game of the 12-game playoff <laughs> right. before we expand? Like the, he, these, You never know. You might love the 12-team playoff. You don't even know yet. Give it a shot for one year. They're already starting to, to talk about, oh, the Big Ten and the SEC need more automatic bids and stuff. It's like You haven't even tried this tournament yet. <laughs> See how it plays out. You Guess what? You're probably going to get a lot of teams as it is. It's not going to be, you know, one or two Big Ten teams and one or two SEC teams. They're going to fill that bracket, even as the 12-teamers. So uh, I, don't, I kind of like this. Like, I was skeptical at first when they said 12 teams, but I look at this model and I go, this is actually kind of cool in how they set it up. Um, I think if you go bigger than that, soon you're getting, I mean, if you start uh, getting rid of these buys, or conference champions, then you're going to have to get rid of conference championship games at a certain point, right? And I, and I kind of like those, I, especially now when these leagues are so big. How can you decide an 18 league, 18 team league champion without having some sort of game at the end? Mm. These games are not played during the regular season. Who's your champion at that point? So if you get rid of that, you can't have those teams that played a championship conference championship weekend and then have to turn around and play another game. In a 16-team playoff, where they don't get a bye in that first round, I just could you just let it be for five (laughs) seconds before we move on to the next iteration, whatever this thing is. It's just it's moving too fast. Like, well, we have to do it because these conferences gotten so large. It's like you chose to get that large. That's your (laughs) problem. This is a problem of your own making. And now they're they're saying we have we have to have a solution with it. So uh, it's it's kind of getting absurd and annoying at this point, but. You know those are the power conferences, and, and as we've said forever, nobody's in charge. Nobodys no. in charge of the incident no and, and, the, and the playoff and now these conference commissioners are feeling like it's their job to, to take control of the sport, and maybe they should because it's gotten so out of hand in certain situations. but I, I think some people would like to see a little bit of stability in how they do this thing without changing it every single year.
0: All right, before I let you go, and it's going to be just an unfair question, but we talked about it a lot uh, with the listeners here in the first hour about the NIL. And just your opinion, how quickly do you think some kind of sensible legislation to kind of rope all this in is going to happen with what's going on right now with this, this NIL and not knowing, you know, how much money is going where and things like that? What, what's your opinion on that? I know it's kind of a hard question to ask because nobody really knows.
1: Yeah, I don't think anything's coming soon. Um, Anything that they try to pass, I feel like will get shot down in the courts, Um, you know, as long as they have this current system set up where they're just like, oh, you're just regular students out there, just like other students. It's like, well, then how are you going to deny them any opportunities out there for them? You wouldn't deny regular students the opportunities to make money uh, outside of, of college like this. Then why can athletes do it. And the courts have said that repeatedly over and over and over. So I feel like any kind of enforcement that the NCAA is going to try to put out there, somebody somebody will just sue them right away. And every time they go to court, they just get destroyed (laughs) over and over and over. (laughs) Every time. Uh, So if if they're sitting here going, oh, Congress save us from this, bear me. Congress has, they're deadlocked on everything. They can't do anything right now. They're not going to push this through all of a sudden. They can't even like decide to send aid to a foreign country at war. Like they're not going to be able to figure this out. And really, honestly, they shouldn't be figuring this out. They should be doing more important stuff than this. So, uh, no, I think it's going to, the status quo is going to stand for a while. And these, um, state legislatures will continue to, to make rules that, you know, continue to not put their, their schools at a disadvantage. Uh, I can't remember who the most recent one was, but they're like, oh, yeah, uh, these NIL rules the NCAA has don't apply. (laughs) Like, okay, we'll challenge us in court and see if it works. And I I don't think, like, the NCAA has the, uh, you know, the manpower or the resources to fend off all these lawsuits. And they'll just be like, okay, we'll just do it this way. And they'll just become sort of a a toothless organization that can't really stop anything, which Mm -hmm. they've been for a while. Right, right. uh, Yeah, I I don't see a solution coming to it soon. And honestly... I'm fine with it. If the players get some, some money out of this and they have to switch up, until the end step admits what it is and, and is running a business here with the labor, the players, in college football, and comes up with contracts and stuff, I'm not going to feel sorry for it and all this, this money that's getting thrown around and the players finally getting a chunk
0: of it. Oh, there you go, peeps. There you go. That's A.B.'s a take. And, yeah, there's a lot there that I, I completely agree with, no question. Well, listen, man, have fun. Have fun at Pitt. I hope it's a good ballgame for you, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Stay safe in your travels. Andy Bitter joining us on the program there. All right, good stuff from him. We'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll wrap up Hour 2 here on this wondrous and wondrous Thursday.
1: Savchenko, the Center for Redford Basketball
0: Highlanders. And you're to the Big Dog Sports Talk. Ah, we could use Big Andy Savchenko tonight. We'll be heading to Boiling Springs tonight for the uh, nationally televised game, Highlanders and Gardner-Webb. See if Radford can end this five-game losing skid as they head into... Uh, Final stretch here. Four games, man. Try to get things turned around. By the way, I got a lot of uh, Bigfoot monster truck picks. Thank you. I thought so. I I thought that was the case, but I I wasn't quite sure. So Bigfoot apparently, one of our winners said that uh, Bigfoot was like the original, which I love. I know who I'd root for. It's awesome. One of our uh, listeners also said that he's had... uh, different paint schemes with, indeed, actual Bigfoot on the truck. So, that excites me. (laughs) That's coming your way March the 2nd, by the way. going to be a couple of shows, and it's the Monster Truck Nitro Tour. If I don't have basketball, I'm just going to say right now, if I don't have basketball, I'm going to this thing. It's at the Salem Civic Center. And if you want to go, um, we're giving away tickets on the show. But if you want to win some cool extra stuff, go to WRADradio.com. There's going to be three winners drawn from website entries. And you can just click on the link there, and it tells you how to sign up to win extra stuff. All right? I don't know exactly what the extra stuff is, but it's pretty cool. And you get to meet the drivers, see the trucks up close. There's a pre event autograph pit party. I mean, that's cool. Get your picture taken beside the big truck. I mean, you can't beat it with a stick. That's some fun right there. All right, so the White Vic joins us coming up at the bottom of hour number three. It's the 8 o'clock power hour. We want to hear from you. Also call me up right now and we'll set you up. First caller it gets through 639-4900, you can go to the Monster Truck Show on March 2nd on us and on them. Our three forthcoming. 639-4900 if you want to go, take the first caller who gets through.